We're glad, glad everyone is here today. We're one church, five locations. We're super excited about that. Not only do we have White Rock, which we love so much, but we've got North Dallas as well. We've got Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff, that's my hood. That's what they say over there, just so you know. We also have Mockingbird Station, and we also have Antigua, Guatemala as well. All of us are together. Can we clap for everybody at all locations? So glad we all get to be together. To everyone who's with us for the first time, we are thrilled that you're here, incredibly excited about what God has in store for you. We actually don't believe in accidents. We think God does things on purpose. We think you showed up at whatever location you're at on purpose, on assignment, and on time. So God knows exactly what you've been walking through and brought you to this place for a specific reason. And I cannot wait to see new life, new hope, fresh dreams, new vision come to life on the inside of you. It is my prayer uh, that as a church family, we're not um, a church that dumbs God down. Uh, meaning, I, I don't want us to uh, minimize God to the size of our experiences. Uh, instead, I want us to be a church family that will elevate our faith to the size of our God. And, and the reality is we believe that God spoke and the universe is still expanding. He said, let there be light and it's still going. And scientists haven't been able to figure out the end of the universe. It's still going and still going and still going. And the universe is not even enough to contain all that God is. That's how massive this glorious Savior of, of ours is. And today he is here to meet with every one of us. We've been in a series called Mobilize, and uh, if you're with us for the first time, uh, we started really at the beginning of the year and then picked it up at the second, uh, the, the last quarter of the year to say, hey, hey, let's make sure we're preparing in 2019 for all that God wants to do in 2020 and beyond. We think this is a strategic time in your life. We think that God wants to do something significant in your, your marriage, in your business, in your single life right now to get you ready for where he's trying to take you. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. As you're turning there, you need to know last night I was at a daddy-daughter dance with my four-year-old. It was awesome. I didn't bring any pictures. I didn't want you to see it. But it was a really good time of me standing in the corner and watching my four-year-old run around with our other four-year-old friends. There was no dancing that went on with me and Elle at all. What I actually did is I grabbed her up one time and said, Elle, you're going to have to dance with me. They were playing, um, I got sunshine on a cloud. And I'm like, mm. and she's like, I want to run with my friends, Dad. Uh, John chapter 5, I wanted to give you some time to turn there. If you didn't have uh, your Bible, we're going to put the scripture on the screen so you can follow along with us as well. John chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here... A great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there, had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. 
while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Don't you love religious people? They always get the point. Then he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. The title of today's message is No Lifeguard on Duty. No lifeguard on duty. In John chapter 5, we see this man uh, at a pool. He's not the only man there. There's uh, tons of lame, disabled, paralyzed individuals all around this pool. And when the sign says there's no lifeguard on duty, uh, it's, it's as if it's announcing to you, you're on your own. You're by yourself. And I feel like this is what life can say to a lot of us. And a lot of us are living our lives through this filter right now. You're on your own. You're going to drown. You can try it, but it probably, it's probably not going to work. You saw your single friends. They were, they were happy when they were single. Now look at them, married, miserable. That's going to be just like you. No lifeguard on duty. You're by yourself. You're on your own. You're going to crash and burn. Nothing's ever going to work out for you. Anytime you try to get ahead, somebody else is going to get ahead of you. And these are the words that we can hear in our head over and over and over again. But I need you to know, when life is telling you that, in that particular scenario, life is a liar and Jesus Christ is the truth. And Jesus says you will not be stuck in that spot forever. You do not have to live a life like all of your friends have lived a life. And you don't have to have a marriage like all of your friends failed marriages. Instead, I can do something significant and miraculous in your life. So in this passage of scripture, we're going to walk through verse by verse. And we're going to see how we can learn so much from this man and the Savior who changed and transformed his life in a moment. In verse number one, it says, some time later. We don't get the exact time. We don't get that it was, you know, on Thursday at 2.30 in the afternoon. We know it was, one, it was during one of the Jewish festivals. We do know that. Uh, we don't know, again, the particular time, the particular moment. I like the ambiguity of this. I, I like kind of the mystery behind this. I like that you can't really just nail it down because I feel like this is what it's actually like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's like you can't actually like nail everything down, like when he's going to work a particular miracle in your life. Like if you could control when God was going to work a miracle in your life, would you still be in the situation that you're in right now? Many of us, we wish, we wish we could pray. We could pray at, let's say, 7.30 in the morning. We're brushing our teeth and we say, hey, Lord, I'd like a husband. 
Then, 3.30 in the afternoon, voila, three options for you to choose from. All with jobs, all with good credit. That's how we like for life to work. But it doesn't really work out quite like that, does it? Most times we're praying and we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Most times we're praying and we're frustrated because we're thinking, and our friends even will tell us this, if God loved you, then why would you be walking through this? We're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting. One of the things that's hard for us to digest is God does not set his watch to our time. I wish he did. I really wish I just could pray a prayer, and all of a sudden prayers came down out of heaven like Amazon Prime, just showed up at my door. Rang my doorbell. Actually, I don't have a doorbell right now. Knocked on my door. It's a long story. Knocked on my door. Left it there at the porch. What I prayed for was there the way I wanted it, exactly when I wanted it, within the hour. That would be fantastic. But God is not doing things on my time frame or on your time frame. He actually has a perspective that is, is an eternal perspective. So he sees not just now, but he sees that which is yet to be. And he knows when he needs to give you your particular breakthrough. And sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes your pain and my pain is even part of the process to giving somebody else hope because if you can stand in the midst of all the pain you've walked through, then somebody you will meet three years from now will need to know that God can carry them through that kind of pain as well. See, believe it or not, our lives aren't just about us. Believe it or not, our lives are actually interconnected. Believe it or not, God is actually this uh, fantastic seamstress, if you will, and he is sewing together all the things that need to be sewn together to put you at the right place at the right time with the right people where your story, your story can bring, be the source of hope, life, and strength that somebody needs, some Time later, this man has no idea that on this particular day, God is about to work a miracle in his life. He has no idea. He is going to a pool that he has gone to day after day after day, and he is thinking it's going to be like any other day. You might be thinking it's going to be any old Sunday or it's going to be any old Wednesday this upcoming week, but I'm telling you, when God has an assignment and an appointment for you, if you'll keep on showing up, if you'll keep on being where you need to be when you're supposed to be there. You watch how God opens amazing doors. So God, keep on walking through here. That's just verse number one. Verse number three says, here's a great number of disabled people. You still lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, a great number. Then, well, then when you keep on reading, it says, one who was there had been invalid for 38 years. 38 years. So th there, are, there are a great number of people that are hurting and broken all around. And then the story begins to focus in on one person. It's like a movie when there's 
all these, this mass group of people. Then all of a sudden the camera begins to focus in on, on one person. You begin to follow their story all the way through. This is what the gospel writer is doing here. There's a great number of people. There's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people broken. There's a lot of people that have gone through divorce. There's a lot of people that are battling sicknesses. There's a lot of people that are out of jobs. But right now I want to focus in on this one person. And this is what our God does. He has this ability to get down to the one. And now this man has been an invalid for 38 years. We are not told if he's 38 years old. We're told he's been in a tough spot for 38 years. Maybe he's 38. Maybe it happened right when he came out of the womb. But it seems to me that the scriptures are at least inferring that this injury happened a little bit later in life. Because you know some injuries happen later in life. They don't happen right when you come out of the womb. Some injuries, you have to be in a relationship with somebody and have them break your heart. That doesn't happen at birth. That happens when you have told everybody you're getting married. And you send out all the wedding invitations. And you got your destination wedding. And you thought it was going to be Cabo, but it's going to be Riviera Maya. But you're okay with that because you're just happy that you're going to marry the person of your dreams and everyone is coming to the wedding and you got the photographers and you've got the reception and you started off on the journey and it's going wonderful and then you got one kid, two kids, three kids and before you know it, you're just living like roommates and there's distance that happens and then someone that you thought you could trust with your everything is now in love with somebody that you used to be friends with and now you've got to deal with the pain of walking through a divorce. I'm trying to talk to real people who have been through real things for just a second, okay? Because this is not your story. It's somebody's story that you know, somebody that you care about. You get that type of injury. You have that type of trust that is broken. You carry that. There are some things you just don't get over. I I don't like it when, when church people sometimes try to just throw a quick scripture on somebody's pain. Like someone's like, oh, man, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Well, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your understanding. All your wisdom, all the time, he'll direct your path. It, the word is true, okay? I believe. Speak the word. Pray the word. I believe that. But I, 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 don't, I don't like sometimes how we try to, you know, give it like medicine real quick. Like, just, just take it. Take, take it. Take. You better now? No, no, okay, I'm glad I got the scripture, but I'm really still, I'm still sad. I'm still hurting. I'm still frustrated. I'm still confused. Because I wrote out the five-year plan, and I crossed my T's, and I dotted my I's, and I did what I was supposed to do. And since I did what I was supposed to do, it seems like God did not do what he was supposed to do because I'm not supposed to be here if God is still good. This man, 38 years. 38 years. He's been carrying his injury for 30 years. Eight years. I know some of us have been praying for something for 38 days and we feel like God's forgotten us. <laughs> Lord, where are you? <laughs> you hate me. 
You ever feel like that, like God just hates you? <laughs> like you pray a prayer, hits the ceiling, falls down. That's not actually not what happens with prayers, just so you know. But it can feel like that at times. It feels like God's like, no, I don't like you. Your hair. Once you cut your hair, you cut your hair, and I'm like, no, I'm done with her. I'm done with her. I'm done with her. I, 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 liked, your, I liked you better when you were this. I liked you better when you worked here. It, 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 we can feel as if God has folded his arms, turned his back on us, and is just no longer interested in our life. That is what life will try to tell you. That's sometimes what your friends will try to tell you. That's sometimes what your family members will try to tell you. And I'm letting you know this man was here in this moment around this pool, and he could have been having those same thoughts. 30 Eight years? Uh, that's a long time. Can we all just be in agreement that that's a long time? Can we all just be in agreement that God should have done something sooner than 38 years? That if you and I were God, we'd go like, ah, seven. That's enough. Okay, seven. This man's been struggling for seven years. He can't walk. He can't walk. Do you know the systems that you have to set up in your life when you are that injured for that long? You, got a whole, you have a whole mindset on how you approach life. There's a system that you set up whenever you've been injured this way. Um, okay, I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I've recognized that. Okay, but I wasn't always old. There was a day. I was young, y'all. I was young. There was a day. I'm not kidding. I'm in college. Basketball team, it's like that midnight madness thing. You know, it's like before the basketball season's about to start. The school comes together. Everybody's in the gymnasium. <sighs> and the basketball team are out there and we're just showing off. That's what you do. You just show off. I did it for the glory of God. But I'm just showing off. <laughs> I got the ball. Everybody's dunking. I remember I got that ball. Went up. 360. Yo, I had never done a 360. I was so hyped from everybody being in the gym. I threw that thing down. I'm like, yeah. Now, uh, I play basketball a couple times a week. And these knees just don't work like they used to work, okay? I've got a fast break layup. I'm by myself. <laughs> missed the layup, y'all. Okay, I missed a layup with no one around me. There was a guy, all due respect to anybody who's a little bit shorter. Okay, no problem at all. I have no problem with short people. I love short people. Yeah. Okay, but this guy, he's like 4'7", and he blocked my shot. I'm like, what? has happened to me. <laughs> but as I started getting older, man, I, you, start, you start changing. I started changing because, because my knees just weren't as strong as they, as they were. They, they were bothering me. Matter of fact, I would play and my knee, my knee would swell up. I let it go down, then I go play again and swell up and I just kind of adjusted. I, I, I wrapped my knee and I changed the way I would play. I wouldn't, I wouldn't run as hard because I had this injury. And then it took me going to a doctor. 
and him, and him looking at my knee and getting the MRI to go, oh, man, you got a whole bunch of junk in there that you can't get out by yourself. In order to get that stuff out, I have to go into your knee and I have to scrape that stuff out. Then you're going to have to go through rehab and then you're going to have to change the way you're even thinking about your knee because now that I'm healed, I actually still walk sometimes like I used to walk when I was injured even though he already scraped out all the junk that was in my knee. I had set up a system in my life that worked for my injury, but now that I have a great surgeon and his name is Jesus, Jesus that has gone into a part of my life and has cleansed me and made me different. Now you and I have to be willing to do the hard work of the rehab. And this is where believers, we don't want to do that. We just want, want to pray, let God just take it away. But when he wants to take something away, sometimes he has to cut. Sometimes he has to cut at things in your life that are idols in your life. Sometimes he has to cut at things that you set up as props in your life. Sometimes he has to remove some people out of your life because those people were your God and he was not your God. And whenever you and I pray, God, will you change me? Will you rearrange me? Will you make me to the man or woman you called me to be? He says, hey, once you pray that prayer, I got a scalpel here, and if you're okay, I'll go in. It will hurt, but you'll be better later because of it. Injury. Whole system set up around his injury. You know when you can't go to work yourself, you have to wait for a friend to pick you up? Some of y'all might not know about that. When You know when you, now we got Uber, but back in the day, your car broke down, you're like, you're calling your friends. Hey, can you pick me up for work? Like, man, I got to get to work. Well, pick me up earlier. You can be a little bit later. You know, you're trying to talk to all your friends. Remember when you were broke, but you still wanted to go out? I, I can't stand it when y'all look at me like that, like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I, I've never gone out a day in my life. You remember you, you were like, man, I don't have any money, and I'm wearing the same outfit Last nine times we've gone out, but if I bleach it, <laughs> I can make that red shirt white and everybody's going to think it's brand new. And you're out with your friends, you're like, oh, no, I forgot my money. You figured out a way to talk to people because of the situation that you were in. This man here for 38 years has had to figure out how to talk to people to get them to take him to a spot that he can't get to on his own. He has a whole system set up around his injury. So now, particular day, regular day, Jesus shows up. And I love how verse 5 says, it starts with the word one. One. Just, just, just one. Verse 3 said there was a great number of people. There was a whole lot of folks that were sick. But now, it drills into the one. This is what our God does. He focuses in on the one. If at any of our locations today, you might be feeling like I'm just a number and I don't matter. You just need to know, no, you're, you're the one we've been praying for. And even more importantly, you're the one that Jesus died for. You're the one. So don't get confused when you're around a whole bunch of people 
that maybe he's just set you aside. No, this man, this man, in this moment, he's the one. Can I do a quick commercial break for just a second? Quick commercial break, okay? Um, the commercial break is this. When we started this church uh, seven years ago, going to be eight years uh, next year. When we started this church seven years ago, we, we had like, like four things that we knew like we had to have in order for our church to be what God wanted it to be. The very first thing was we had to have his presence. Better rely on his presence. Now, this might be new for some of you. You're like, wait, what do you mean his presence? This means the very power of God. Please understand, we're not trying to be a cool church. We're trying to be a Christ church. We're trying to be a church that points people to the living Savior, the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave, the one that got on the cross, carried your sins and my sins, got put in a tomb, and on the third day he came to glorious life, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and there will be a day he will return. And this glorious Savior of ours is high and lifted up, and our focus is on him. This is not an Earl worship church. This is not a shoreline worship church. This is a Jesus Christ and him crucified kind of church. We had to have his presence. I don't want to have this church if God's not showing up. I don't want to be a part of this thing if he's not here. So for all of us, please understand, that's why we sing our songs. That's why we pray. That's why we're asking us to get in connect groups because we believe that in that context of community and worship and surrender. We are positioning ourselves under the mighty hand of God so he can breathe out, so we can breathe in. We have to have his presence. But then we had to raise up leaders. Had to raise up leaders. Not church attendees. Leaders. It's very different. Nowadays, churches can be content with people just showing up. I'm glad you showed up this week. I'm glad that you're here. But please understand, I want more than you just showing up. I want you to become a passionate follower of Jesus Christ where you have given your whole heart and your whole life over to him. I want you to be so passionate in your relationship with Jesus that people look at your life and want what you have. And if you are an executive, if you are a student, if you are single, if you are married, whatever sphere of influence God has given you in your world, that the people in that sphere of influence will look at your life and say, oh my goodness, I want what you have have. We're trying to raise up leaders. Jesus calls it making disciples. But the next thing we needed is we needed to remember the one. Even before I read this verse, I, 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 this, this, was, this was in our, our DNA as a church. One of the first meetings we were having, we were meeting at C.C. Young Retirement Center uh, here in Dallas off of Mockingbird Lane. Yes, we were meeting at a retirement center uh, for a church. And we were there, and there were like 20 of us. And my wife is there, and we're in the circle. We're holding hands, saying a prayer kind of before we start our Bible study. And she's like, Lord, help us to remember the one. Help us to remember. There were 20 people in the whole church at that time. And she's praying, help us remember the one. I love that she was praying that prayer. Because it was being, it was being baked into the DNA of our church. That we're not about numbers, per se. We're about people. We're about going after and loving and serving people. Can I just say this too for a quick second? We don't always get this right. 
we don't always remember the one the way we're supposed to. There have been times we have failed as a church in remembering the one. And if you've ever been on the other side of that failure, I sincerely apologize. It's never our heart to leave someone stranded or out on their own. It's our desire that all of us would be on teams and serving and in connect groups so we can be there for each other and hold up each other's arms in the good times and in times of trial. That's who we want to be, but we don't always get it right. So for that, when, we, when we've missed it in your life, I, I say I'm sorry. We're just like any family. And no family gets it right every time. Okay, I told you there are four R's. Last R is resources. Okay, this is real quick. What does that mean? Money. And let that sit. Money. I used to be so afraid of this, not talk about it. Ooh, money. Then I realized, oh, we want to feed poor people. Hmm. How are we going to get them the food? Lord, would you please drop chicken and waffles? <laughs> Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Come on, parents. Lord, bring it down. That's not how it works, people. Someone gets in a car and goes and they buy the food for people. Okay, that's how it actually works. So nobody here is trying to get rich. What we are trying to do is reach as many people as we possibly can, and it requires resources to do that. Okay, it just requires resources. So that's why last week we talked about heaven to earth offering. I'm passionate about this. I'm so excited. We get the opportunity to try to reach as many people as we possibly can. That's why we're saying, God, this is too big a number for us. $700,000 all to go and reach hundreds and thousands of people for the cause of Jesus Christ. And we're going after this because we believe people matter to God. All right, let me keep on going here. Let me keep on going. Let me keep on going. Oh, verse 6, verse 6, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Ooh, interesting question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well or do you just want to talk about the problem? Which one? Which one? Talk. Because you're talking, but getting well is something very, very different. Because when you have set up a system around your struggle, it actually... This is free. There's a cost that comes with your healing. It's called the cost of expectations. Because there was a time no one expected anything of you when your marriage was broken. But now that God has put your marriage back together, we do now expect that you're going to help other people through their marriage problems. Do you want to get well? Do you want to? Because if you actually want to, then that means God is going to want to use your story to be hope and life and strength to somebody else. Do you want to get well? Because if you want to get well, that means you can no longer just make your life about you. When you're a victim, you can make your life about you. When you're just in a struggle, you can make your life about you. But when you get well, y'all with me on this? Y'all with me? Okay, okay. Um. I said that with a little bit of stank. I recognize that. I apologize. Getting some things off my chest. 
But I actually think that Jesus is more, is more like this. Like when you read verse number six, um, it doesn't tell us if Jesus, the, the man caught Jesus' eye or if the people saw Jesus kind of staring at the crowd and wanted to bring this man's story to his attention. We're not sure. But we do know he zeroes in on this man. I think he says, hey, do you, do you want to get well? Not, do you want to get well? That's how I said it. I'm going to be more Christ-like right now for just a second. Do you want to get well? Now, the man does not know he's talking to Jesus, like the Savior of the world. He, he doesn't know all that. So the man goes in and shares the story. Verse 7. Sir, every time I try to get up and go into the pool, somebody goes ahead of me so I don't get, I don't get, I don't get healed. So I keep on trying to get up, but, but I, I, I can't get in there as fast as I need to get in there. Somebody beats me into the pool. Now, I, I heard this. I've heard this preach as if the man was making an excuse. Maybe he was. But I actually, when I was studying this, I'm reading it a little bit differently. I think he's not making an excuse. I think he's at what I'll call a factual fighter. What does that mean? I think he's like, hey, let me give you the facts. Sir, you're just walking up in here asking me if I want to get well. Let me just tell you, sir, I try. I try. Matter of fact, sir, every day I show up. And I try to get into the pool. Somebody beats me, but I still come back the next day, sir. And somebody beats me that day, but I come back the next day, sir. And somebody beats me, but I come back the next day, sir. He's sharing the facts, but he's also letting us know I'm a fighter too, okay? Because I could have given up a long time ago. I could have said, no sense of going to that pool any longer because everybody always beats me. He does not have some fatalistic mentality. Instead, he's like, today might be the day. Today might be the day everybody else is sleeping and I might be able to get in that pool before everybody else. I'm trying. I'm injured, but I'm trying. I went through divorce, but I'm trying. I was abused sexually or emotionally or physically, but I'm still trying. Come on, are you with me? On the, I'm still trying. I just want to say I'm proud of you for showing up at church today. This is a sign that you're trying. It's a sign that you didn't throw in the towel because you could have, okay? You could have gone, oh, I'm just going to watch online. Okay, kudos. God bless all of you who are watching online right now. We still love you. But you were willing to go, you know what? I'm going to get up again. I'm going to get these kids ready again. I've never been to this place before, but I'm going to go anyway. It's like I'm still trying. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. Can you shout, I'm trying, just for a second? So I'm trying. I'm try God, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm tr I can't even get out of my own way. I'm trying. I wish my legs worked. I'm trying. I wish I had more money in the account. I'm trying. I wish my business got off the ground faster. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. And Jesus doesn't pray for the man. Doesn't lay hands on him. He says to the man, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. The man, in a moment, 38 years 
a struggle. 38 years of pain. 38 years of frustration. 38 years of unanswered prayer. 38 years of wondering, is God on my side? 38 years of wondering, am I going to make it? 38 years of wondering, is my life going to always be like this? And one random day, the God of heaven shows up and says, son, I wonder, do you want to get well? I know you've been trying. As a matter of fact, I've been giving you the grace to try for the past 38 years. I just needed to know were you willing to keep putting one foot in front of the other for that long? I was trying to get you to this moment right here. Get up. The man gets up. He's been used to trying to get in. But God asked him to get up. He's been used to going one direction, but now Jesus is trying to tell him to go to an, an, another direction. He's been sincere in his one direction, but that direction is no longer the direction Jesus wants him to go. I'm announcing today, there's a shift of direction that God is doing in your life and even in this church family where you've been used to with all the wisdom you knew how to go one way. And God's saying, no, 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 that's not the way. Get up. Get up, the man gets up, he's carrying his mat. And then the beautiful religious people, God bless them. They can kill a moment. <laughs> the man hasn't walked for 38 years. He's carrying his mat. And the religious people go, what are you doing? Carrying that mat. What are you doing, Kanye? What are, you, what are you doing? You go to Bible school? How much Bible you got memorized? Do you understand the difference between sanctification and justification and glorification? The guy says, uh, I've been broken down on the side of the road for 38 years. And my life collided with this other man. I don't even know his name. I don't even know what he looks like. All I know is I was broken down on the side of the road and this man changed me. And the man that changed me now has permission to command me. The man that changed me now has permission to control me. And that man said, you better carry that mat. So I'm just doing what the guy who changed me told me to do. That's why I'm serving. That's why I'm worshiping. That's why I'm giving. That's why I keep showing up to church. I'm not doing this because I think I'm all that. I'm doing this because I was broken down on the side of the road and my Savior picked me up and put me back together. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not preaching because I need people to clap for me. I'm preaching because Jesus saved me. He took 
my whole life that was broken and in the dust and in the dirt and he put me back together and since he called me to preach that's why I'm preaching but if he calls me to sit with some kids I'll sit with some kids and if he calls me to the business world I'll be in the business world I'm just going where he called me Your mat. Oh, I was kidding. I didn't mean to get Y'all, y'all been transformed by Jesus too. Now everybody's standing up. Everybody's worshiping. Everybody's giving him glory. Everybody's giving him thanks. Everybody's giving him praise because he has been that faithful and that good. Come on, can you shout unto God with a voice of triumph in this place? Man, oh man, oh man. See, those of you online, you should have been at church. Okay, let's be like a Catholic church for a second. You can sit back down. This man was mobilized. He's mobilized. I'm praying we can steal truths from his story. And his interaction with Jesus. And may it transform the way we live our lives as well. If you don't mind, do me a favor. Just bow your heads just for a moment. I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. Not because it's mystical or magical, but just so that you can focus for just a second. If you're under the sound of my voice and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You never made him first. You never made him number one. Whether you're at any of our locations or you're in the balcony or in the lobby right now, whether you're a first-time guest or you've been coming maybe for months or years, and you're honest with yourself right now, you would say, Jesus Christ is not in the driver's seat of your life. He's not first in your life. I'm not asking, do you believe in God? I'm asking, have you surrendered your life to the path of Jesus? If you're under the sound of my voice today and you're saying, I, I haven't, I haven't given him my heart, I haven't given him my life, I haven't given him control of my life. Or maybe you're saying there was a time I did, but I've slipped away. I'm on a different path right now. I'm going another direction and I don't want to go that direction anymore. I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. On the count of three, I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I want to put him first. I'm getting off my own path. I'm getting on his path. Come on, this hands going up all over this place. It's absolutely amazing. I know at every location. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Everyone put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. I'm going to ask you, every person, after you put your hand over your heart, repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Can you lift your heads up, church family? Can we clap our hands with enthusiasm? Come on.